0: I think it's really important that we think about the domestic energy usage as a customer for this renewable gas. And the reason that I think that is because, you know, if you want to decarbonise, you have to decarbonise the home's energy source. And if you want to maintain reliability and deliver that in a cost-effective way, I think you have to have renewable gas as part of that solution.
1: Hi, I'm Kaya Taylor, and this is Rewired, a show exploring the future of energy in Australia from ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency. This season, we're exploring the transformation of our energy grid and highlighting the people that are making this transition possible. And in this episode, we're speaking with Chrissy Rahman, Head of Strategy and Innovation at Australian Gas Infrastructure Group.
0: So Australian Gas Infrastructure Group is one of Australia's largest gas infrastructure businesses. We have assets across the country in every mainland state and the Northern Territory. We also have assets across the value chain. So that includes um, a 60 petajoule gas storage facility in Bridgie in Western Australia to large scale gas transmission pipelines such as the Dampier to Bunbury Natural Gas Pipeline and we're also the largest gas distributor so we serve over 2 million customers. through our distribution networks uh, in South Australia, Victoria, Queensland and regional New South Wales and obviously uh, one of the main things that I've been engaging with ARENA on has been our role in renewable gas projects um, and and where we're moving to with those so they really complement our existing gas infrastructure business to be able to now move towards a renewable gas source.
1: Millions of Australian households are currently connected to natural gas. It's actually been a staple of our energy system for decades. And depending on where you live, those pipes could be part of AGIG's network. As a business we are a bit
0: different to many of the other players in the space because we do have such a diverse range of of assets and also we operate in in many different states and I think as well one of the other differences that we've certainly found and and indeed I do a lot of engagement with stakeholders and customers and what we find is sometimes they don't actually know a lot about who we are because they're used to dealing with uh, electricity businesses electricity is a bit more visible to them them. They often are dealing with them if there's an outage or things like this. But gas is so reliable, our assets are under the ground. So people don't usually think about us in an energy context. So I actually get asked the question, you know, who are you and what do you do quite a lot despite <laughs> the fact that we are quite a large uh, and important player in the energy space. But Basically, you know, if you have gas in your home, you might have a, a gas hot water service, you might have a gas heater or a gas cooktop. Um, you can even plumb your barbecue in, which is a very Aussie and important thing to do in your home <laughs> if you don't want to buy those gas bottles or a business in uh, many of the states in Australia. You rely on our infrastructure in some way. So in South Australia, in two thirds of the Victorian network, half of the Queensland network, where we own the distribution assets. It's our pipes that run up into to your house that supply you with the gas. And in Western Australia, we're bringing the gas from where it's produced at the gas fields along a bigger pipeline, a higher pressure pipeline down to that distribution network. So Really, uh, we own the, the pipelines and some other sort of infrastructure type things around them that enable the, the gas to get from where it's produced to where it's used.
1: When we turn on the stove or fire up our heating, we're actually burning methane, and the byproduct of that is carbon dioxide. If we want to reduce our carbon footprint, we need another solution, and it seems that renewable hydrogen could be the answer. We spoke about renewable hydrogen in our last season. So go back and listen to that episode if you need a bit of a refresher. Like many organisations in the energy industry, AGIG is embarking on a transformation. One part of this transformation will be mixing hydrogen into the existing gas network. ARENA is supporting AGIG with more than $30 million in funding to create a new hydrogen blending project in Wodonga.
0: So, hydrogen Park Murray Valley is the next step on our renewable gas journey. It's a 10 megawatt electrolyzer that will be co-located with the Wodonga Wastewater Treatment Facility. And that's a really great way to start deploying these. There's been some, some work, lots of work around that. And the reason it's so good is wastewater treatment facilities often are located with a good gas connection, a good electricity connection, they've got water there. Uh, and they also have a demand for oxygen. So we're really pleased to be co-locating there and, and deploying that model to get the learnings from it. At 10 megawatts, it will be the largest electrolyzer in the country. And we will use the renewable hydrogen. Um, the core part of it will be to supply up to a 10% renewable hydrogen blend to the, all the connections in the Albury and Wodonga gas distribution networks, which AGIG owns. So that's about... 40,000 connections or 40,000 homes and businesses. And if you think about that in terms of scale, if you, you think about the average home having at least two people in it, that's about decarboni- decarbonizing gas supply for more than 80,000 Australians. And and it's a, a pretty sizable B, as I understand it, uh, the, the largest sort of project of its kind in, in the world.
1: That's incredible. And so to play that back, almost 80,000 Australians or 40,000 homes will be able to access a renewable blend of gas through this project. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. And it will be the largest renewable gas blend in Australia as well. So as a business, we've been deploying other projects and we are building on these projects every time. So Hydrogen Parts South Australia, which was launched just last week, does a 5% blend to 700 homes. We've got another project under development in Gladstone, which is Hydrogen Park, Gladstone, which is up to 10% blend to about a 1,000 connections. And so you can see how Albury, Wodonga and Hydrogen Park, Murray Valley really builds on that to deliver entire regional centre as we look to then build up after that to entire cities such as, you know, in Adelaide or in Melbourne or in Brisbane even. So it's pretty exciting. There's a clear trajectory for where we're going and this is the clear next step. The other exciting thing about the project is that we have capacity to supply other markets. So, gas networks and, and supplying these homes and businesses in Albury-Wodonga is really important in its own right because we are delivering them with a, a renewable gas blend and starting on on the journey of decarbonising that source of energy. But it also provides enough scale for us to build a, a ten megawatt electrolyzer with capacity to. Um, on sell to other markets and help them along the decarbonisation journey as well. So you'd be aware about where Albury-Wodonga is located, that it's on major transport routes in between Melbourne and Sydney, makes it a great place to start thinking about putting hydrogen refuelling and starting on that journey as well. And and we're in conversations now about how that might progress. So the key part in the underlying market is delivering decarbonisation to Australian homes and businesses, but also about delivering pure hydrogen to new industries that might need it, be it industry, like manufacturing itself, or indeed mobility.
1: The ultimate goal for AGIG is to get to 100% hydrogen in their network. And while Chrissy says the roadmap is to reach that target by around 2040, in the short term, AGIG is looking to hit a 10% blend by 2030. You know,
0: at the moment, people get natural gas in their homes. And a really interesting story I heard once was a a peer from the UK, he said he went to someone, he said, oh, do you know what sort of gas you get in your home? They said, yeah, it's natural gas. And he said, but do you know what that is? And they said, yeah, just natural gas, I don't know anymore. He said, did you know it's hydrogen? And they said, no, I didn't. He said, well, it's not, it's methane. But, you know, the whole context of that is people don't really necessarily know what sort of gas they're getting they just know it's getting gas and when you burn it you get an energy from it and the, and the gas people get at the moment is natural gas and it's methane or CH4 when you burn that you get heat and energy but you also get carbon emissions now hydrogen when you burn it there is no carbon element it's just H2 and you get heat and energy and a bit of water vapor so By blending or replacing parts of the methane with hydrogen, what you're doing when you're burning it is you're getting less carbon but also still getting energy. And back in the 60s and 70s, we used to use town's gas, which was about 50 to 60% hydrogen. It's just that the rest of it wasn't... uh, as as clean or green as we would like, and upon the discovery of natural gas, it was a lot more reliable to, to use natural gas. So we underwent a conversion period where everyone switched from town's gas to a natural gas. So in effect, we're kind of going back to the future here a bit and, and back to a, a, a gas source, which is clean in terms of the hydrogen, uh, but without the rest of the, the other stuff. So a blend is just when we displace a portion of the methane with a hydrogen, so customers can still get energy from burning the gas, uh, but without as much carbon emissions. And Ultimately, where we want to get to is 100% of that hydrogen gas or that renewable hydrogen um, so that there are no carbon emissions, but we're getting there in a staged
1: approach. 100% hydrogen by 2040 might seem like a large jump from a 10% mix in 2030. And well, it is. So what will it actually take to hit those targets?
0: I think scale will help and and another project that I'll just mention is another one that we've led and that's been funded by ARENA along with several other industry partners and governments including the South Australian government, the Victorian government um, and then other industry, AusNet on G and Neowen. We are the Australian Hydrogen Centre, and what the Australian Hydrogen Centre is doing is looking at the feasibility around decarbonising regional towns in South Australia and Victoria, 10% blend, and then a 10% blend across the state of Victoria and South Australia and then ultimately a 100% conversion. So the feasibility about how that might roll out and be delivered. So we're halfway about halfway uh, through that program of work and that will give us some more insights into how we might deliver that that large-scale statewide decarbonization and I do get asked this question a lot you know is it going to be one big 200 megawatt electrolyzer or several little electrolyzers around um, the state and and my personal view is that it will probably be a combination of both. I mean, electrolyzers have a lot of A lot to like about them. You know, you can have small ones that might help with the electricity network constraints in the middle of the day when there's too much solar because they can respond quickly. So it might be appropriate to have some smaller units that then inject directly into the gas network. It might be better to locate larger units with near wastewater treatment plants as we're doing, or near renewable electricity generation so we can help deploy more of that at places where the network might be constrained and things. So my personal view is that we'll probably get a a mix of rollouts, but what is most important is just giving people confidence and size about the opportunity because as many people might realize at the moment, electrolyzers are pretty much Bespoke and and built by hand. There is not a lot of automation in these factories. But as we get the order books up, um, and I know ITM have just built a a really large mega factory, you know, as we get the scale up and the order book up, you can start to automate these. And with the scale and with the automation will come decreases in capital costs. And, And that is one of the main things that's stopping the industry at the moment is just the fact that hydrogen today it's higher cost than the alternatives, but with that scale, you'll drive down the costs. And so that's that's going to be
1: really important to the industry. The other issue at play here is the appliances in our home. Most household gas appliances were designed for use with natural gas, not with hydrogen. So there'll need to be a transition in our homes that can enable our entire network to switch to a clean hydrogen future.
0: You're exactly right. The appliances today are tested and designed to run on natural gas. Now, that testing program and before they're certified, they'll often be tested with up to 13% hydrogen in there as a limit gas, but they are designed to run efficiently and effectively on on natural gas. Now, a lot of the the literature and work overseas suggests that we could go up to 20% by volume, hydrogen blend, uh, without any impact on the appliance. Appliances. We're doing work in Australia right now to confirm that in an Australian context, and we probably think that you know 10% is a, a really comfortable level for the appliances that we've got today, but certainly you know from our perspective and, and putting my AGIG hat well and truly on. Delivering for customers is our, uh, and safely delivering for customers is what we do, and so we will not be doing anything that that jeopardises our customers' appliances or, or safety. Um, so ten percent we think is where, where we're comfortable at the moment with the the blend percentage, but there's a lot of work going on now with appliance and manufacturers and things testing that. So then the question becomes: How do we get from ten percent? to 100%. And 100%, it's appliances, there are 100% 100, um, hydrogen appliances out there today. At our our launch the other week, we had two uh, hydrogen barbecues running. I like to call it clean eating, uh, which (laughs) (laughs) even though, let me tell you, the crispy pork belly that we were cooking on it. was not probably the cleanest thing, but it was very delicious. Uh, But the actual fuel source uh, worked well. In the UK, there are 100% hydrogen, you know, everyday household appliances, and and we're looking to get some of those over here uh, just to, again, make it real and and demonstrate it. So we know appliances can work on, say, a 10% hydrogen blend, and we know they can work on 100% hydrogen. It's just... This middle bit and how we get there, that is the unknown. So, in the UK and other places where they're talking about this transition as well, they're often using terms like a hydrogen ready appliance. And that's something they then have to define. What does hydrogen ready mean? And the way that they've defined it is that someone could come in and change the burner on that appliance in less than an hour, I think it is, and that that appliance would then be able to run on 100% hydrogen. So you wouldn't have to change over your appliance if you were, you know, going from a transition from 10% to 100%. You would just need to change over the burner component of it. Um, so whether that is the pathway or whether, you know, there's, um, some sort of direction or directive that you you know appliances must be able to run on say fifty percent or something else. I'm not sure, but ultimately there is a pathway um, either one of those directions that that will be able to go. And on that, I think it's also important just to to note that to achieve decarbonisation in an energy sense, no matter what you do, there's going to need to be change. Uh, Even if you go down an all electric path, you'll have to change all your gas appliances over to electric ones. And there might not be directly comparable sort of appliances, you then have to decommission assets in your home. So no matter what you do, there will need to be some sort of change. It's just about how do we what do we think is the most efficient and effective, bit cost effective um, and also just efficient and giving customers what they want? What, what is the best pathway to achieve that? And we think that pursuing renewable gas and utilising those assets that we've already got in the ground is going to be the most effective way to deliver it.
1: Another question that's no doubt on the mind of consumers is the price. A lot of consumers choose to have gas because it's cheap. So what impact will this transition have on household budgets?
0: So uh, I'll start off by saying the projects that we're delivering at the moment, Hype SA and Hype Gladstone, customers won't pay any more for the gas or for being part of that project area than if they were buying 100% natural gas. So so those projects are entirely funded by by grants and, and ourselves. Now, that is not s- sort of a sustainable model when you're looking to achieve 10% across every customer and ultimately 100%. There will be a, a cost associated with um, this new energy source. And at the moment, um, one of the reasons hydrogen isn't being deployed more widely because it is higher cost than the alternatives. So that's what makes these demonstration projects like Hydrogen Park and Murray Valley even more important because they, to bring down costs, you need to overcome barriers to entry, which these projects do. You need scale and these projects are increasing uh, with scale and, and getting larger, which will bring down the unit price. And you're building the market, which will again help to drive down those costs so we're confident as a business that we can reach h2 under 2 which is the federal government's targets by that 2030 and by that point in time if you're achieving h2 under 2 you're price competitive with natural gas prices today so there's a journey uh to get there but that's why the hydrogen park murray valley and indeed the other project clean energy innovation park are so important in that journey
1: We've talked a little bit now about households. Do you think households will be the main kind of use for hydrogen or the blend, um, you know, in in the near future? Or do you think larger scale industries or, um, you know, we talked briefly before about about mobility, do you think it will be, which way do you think it will go, smaller or larger?
0: I think it's really important that we... Think about the domestic energy usage as a customer for this renewable gas. And the reason that I think that is because, you know, if you want to decarbonize, you have to decarbonize the home's energy source. And if you want to maintain reliability and deliver that in a cost effective way, I think you have to have renewable gas as part of that solution. So if I'm sitting here as a hydrogen producer, I'll tell you it's not the highest value <laughs> for, for money. But if I'm sitting here as um, an Australian and, and someone who is who wants to see the country decarbonise, I think that it needs to be part of that solution. And the other good thing about it is it acts as an anchor customer. So our networks are already there. They can take hydrogen today. And that is not what you see in other use cases. So for example mobility, to deploy mobility you have to have the hydrogen production, the hydrogen refueling and the hydrogen vehicles all come together at the same time and agree to develop a project. What networks give you is an established market so we can build the production capacity and know that we can blend it into the gas network. We don't have to bring new things in and other parts of the value chain. It's already there. And in fact, by doing that, what you're doing is... Building this production capacity that then makes the mobility and other industry easier. And a, a good example of that, again, is Hydrogen Parts South Australia, which is a 1.25 megawatt electrolyzer that was built to decarbonize the gas networks and supply that 5% renewable blend. But when we broke ground on it, we found that industry and our industry partners are BOC, they came knocking on our door saying, can we buy some hydrogen from you? And now that facility has tube trailer associated with it and that's supplying industry in Wyala. And we expect something similar to happen with Albury-Wodonga, albeit at a much larger Um, Scale because it is already eight times the size of of Hype SA. So, from that, um, we would expect to be able to uh, deliver hydrogen to industry independently and also refuelling. And our our partners on the Murray Valley project, ONG, um, we're working really closely with them to help build those other markets and help them on their decarbonisation journey.
1: Thanks to Chrissy Rahman from the Australian Gas Infrastructure Group for joining us for this episode. Rewired is brought to you by ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency, working to support Australia's energy transition. This episode was hosted by me, Kaya Taylor, with production and scripting from the team at Lawson Media. If you've enjoyed the conversation, consider leaving a review for Rewired in Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend. It lets other people know that you've found value in the show or if you want to learn more about the Transformers working to change our energy grid and the projects that ARENA is funding, you can find out more on our website, arena.gov.au. I'll speak to you again soon.